everybody. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Men's Leadership Network podcast. And we are so glad to have you. And we are in for a special treat today. And so I'm with Jeff and Laura Helton, and they are amazing. And so if you guys get ready uh, for what God's going to teach us and tell us and encourage us with today. And so Jeff and Laura, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having us. Appreciate you being here. Oh, man. So tell us a little bit about you, like where you grew up, how you guys met. Yeah. I grew up um, overseas in Malaysia, Indonesia. Uh, my dad is from Malaysia, so he came over to the States, to Nashville, met my mom, who was a country girl from rural North Dakota. They met here and went to Malaysia, and so grew up there. Um, I have a twin sister and two brothers, and we were in boarding school for about four years in Singapore. Um, they were missionaries, and so moved around a lot. He was a pastor of Methodist Church, so that was... Um, what I was around, and then came back to the States, moved again three times, so lots of moves, Yeah. Um, but then ended up at Taylor University, which became kind of a solid place of growth and friendships, and really, really dear friends, so after that, uh, that's when we met. Yeah, so Laura has this exotic, exciting story of all over the world, yeah. East Tennessee hillbilly, you know, that <laughs> grew up in Cleveland, Tennessee, outside of Chattanooga, I was there, and through college, and then went to grad school in the western suburbs of Chicago, Wheaton. And that's what we're So you were both in Chicago at the same time? Yes. Um, yes. Blessing. Uh, yeah. So tell us about your family. Yeah. We have four kids, three boys and a girl. Our oldest, Josh, is 29, and he's married with two little ones that are just the best. Yeah. Um, and expecting another one. And then we have um, a daughter and then two more sons, and one of those is married also with another grandbaby. So... It's empty nest time, it's grandparent time, it is a sweet season Aww. in that way, and I think just enjoying the relationships now that I just realized, you know, the parenting part is hard work, it's investing, it's not knowing what the result's going to be, but it's so worth the effort. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't mean it's all perfect, it doesn't mean it's all smooth, but we really love being with our kids and learning to have have learned to have conversations about all kinds of things. So, yeah. Got a lot of experience, a lot of wisdom. So. Well, a lot of mistakes, <laughs> like, a long way. Wow. So, tell us about your faith journey then. I mean, when did you start really growing in the Lord and I mean, making Christ a priority of your life and your heart? You know, we both were raised in Christian homes. Like okay. Laura mentioned her dad, a pastor and parents missionaries. I definitely threw up their lives. Um, my folks were believers as well. And I, I was jokingly say I was raised in this bipolar theological background. Uh, Dad's family was Southern Baptist, just, you know, salt of the earth, King James Version, memorized the Bible, Southern Baptist, when I'm growing up, right? Mom's family were these wild, rural, East Tennessee Pentecostals. And so it was oil and water in so many ways. But for me, even as a young child, I think it did two things for me. It instilled in me uh, this love of the Word of God from the Baptist side. Again, the Bible really is something you can know. So, and then for the Pentecostals, it taught me, you know, long before Blackaby wrote his book, it taught me that you can experience God, that Jesus wants to speak to you. So for me, I think my faith journey was, was kind of convoluted in those early years. In grad school, was kind of a crisis of faith for me. I'm studying theology, I think I'm going to be a pastor one day, and I'm in these New Testament criticism classes, I'm going, oh my goodness, is any of it true? And I just found myself so caught up with the the, the fundamentalism of my youth combined with the legalism of my youth that I couldn't figure out what does the true gospel look like. And so I feel like it was in my grad school days when I began to kind of throw it all out except for two stories. I couldn't you know, get away from the story of a baby born in a manger and a dead man coming back to life. 
And really, Jeff, that's not a bad place to build a new theology. Oh, yeah. And so I think it was during that season when I began to go, okay, so what is this book, this Bible, really mean? How do I walk in a relationship with Christ? And so I feel like most of my adult journey, my walk with Christ has looked different than in kind of the traditional way, not better than, just different, because I continue to heal from some legalism and fundamentalism, and at the same time, just really believe in the gospel of grace in a, in a life-changing way. I love that. Those yeah. two stories, God's love and God's grace. Well, it's the foundation of the gospel. Yeah. It is. It is. Mm. Yeah. Praise God for that. Yeah. That's awesome. No, it's been a good journey. So now, today, you guys, you're in a new season, and God's using you to impact so many people. But talk about this call to start Wellspring and coaching for couples and teams and individuals. And how did that come about and kind of where your passion is in that? After um, almost 27 years in pastoral ministry, which I love, I love a local church, still believe in it, um, it was just a season in 2008-19 when I realized, man, God's stirring something different. Laura's trained as a therapist, that's her background, um, but at the time she just hadn't worked for a number of years, was a stay-at-home mom, loving and raising her kids and discipling them. But when I left ministry in 2010, left vocational ministry of the church, I really didn't know for sure what I was going to do. So I'm on a, on a shingle and started doing what I just call life coaching, just helping individuals and marriages. It's what I've done pastorally for two and a half decades, right? Um, really quickly, what I began to realize is that the core of who I am, the core of who Laura is, we're really all about relationship, and relationship matters. And so for us, it was very easy to start saying, how can we walk with individuals, help them process life, and how can we walk with, with couples and help them in their marriages? I love the mental health space, love the therapists. We refer to a lot of them in our community. You know many of them that we refer to, good people. But for us, we realize that a lot of what comes in our doors aren't mental health issues, they're relationship issues. I think it was in 2000, 2012 or 13 that I had some men reach out to me who I had pastored and just saying, hey, I've got the same problems with people at work, can you help me? And so I kind of fell into working with teams. Over the last eight years, I did a lot of work with teams, a lot of church teams, but some church, some uh, teams in the, the corporate space as well. And it's usually in the space of executive coaching or going in and trying to do um, some, some type of training for the team. But at the core, it's all about relationship. We just love to see healthy relationships. An individual and himself with God and himself, an a couple in a marriage, or a team and how they relate to each other. Mm. That was kind of the impetus in the birth of Wellspring. For us, the family verse has been Proverbs 4.23, you know, above all else, guard your heart. It's the Wellspring of God. We feel like with a heart and healthy relationships, they build exactly in the name. So we spend a lot of our time talking to people about the heart, about emotional intelligence, how do we really pay attention, how the spirit is stirring us. Mm, I love that, mm -hmm. guys. And, and, and you know, as men, a lot of times we grow up with coaches, right? Mm -hmm. We have coaches in sports, yeah. and I play basketball, you know, all the sports. And, and then later on in life, we, we don't have that coach, and we're all kind of looking around like, okay, I need some help here. Yeah. And so that you guys are stepping into that space with the wisdom and experience that's coming alongside men, couples, teams. And, and, and man, we all need a coach. We all need people pouring into our hearts and our lives. And so thank you for doing that. So talk about, we are kind of focusing, it's February, right? So it's Valentine's. So we're focusing on kind of the couple aspect that you guys really speak into. And so kind of give us an overview, like when there's a couple that comes to you and, and they're you know, either in a crisis or they're just wanting to get better in their marriage. What are some things that you kind of point out to them and kind of say, hey, we want to help you in these areas? The first thing that I feel like when, uh, we, 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 sometimes we work with couples together, sometimes it's just me. The first thing we're going to do is just try to listen to their story. You know, we all have a story. 
story. And, and so often it's not just a story of our marriage, it's a story long before our marriage. You know, that stuff that we grew up believing and understanding, it plays out in the dynamic of this relationship. So we're going to try to understand who are you, where have you been. We, we, we really want to try to identify what's the dance you've learned to do that's causing you to disconnect instead of really being enjoying the connection and intimacy that you long for. So it really starts with saying, can we just identify what's going on? And then generally what we see is, you know, people want better. Even when they come in, you know, Jeff, they're just, they're just mad and they're locked down and I'm not going to talk to him or her, you know. Even when they're in that space, they want more. They, they want something good. And so some of it's just helping normalize, look, conflict is a part of marriage. Hang on, you're okay. This doesn't mean it's the end. What does it look like to begin to forgive, to re-engage? And then we want to take that broken negative dance pattern and try to turn it into a way of saying, what tools do you need? What skills do you need so that you can connect at a healthier, more intimate, more God-honoring way? One of the things that I love to do, I think Jeff is so good in the crisis, you know, of marriages, and I think one of the things that I have such a heart for is premarital and in those first five years of marriage. Mm -hmm. You know, I think in premarital, it's, it, they're at a time where they're open and excited, but we were naive. We had <laughs> no idea what we were getting into, and we just didn't know. And so I think seeing that if we can help couples, I love to sit with couples, we do sometimes together, but with couples within the first five years and say, how can we help you learn to be open and talk about the things and develop good patterns early on so that we're not dealing with the crisis 15 years down the road and develop healthy patterns because they're more open to talking about it and it's not the walls that have built up. And so I think that's a heart of ours is just to, to do some just um, really preventative and educative and realize we're all in this. None of us have perfected it, but there are ways to learn and ways to do it differently that we can really um, enjoy the relationship. I love that because, you know, it's, it's, it's funny how we spend so much time getting ready for the wedding. You know, and the wedding's like that. And you're going, well, we never went through premarital counseling or we haven't talked about that. The marriage goes on and on for a long time and that we have healthy marriages and so to be able to come and I, you know I just encourage men take the initiative in that you know and, and grow in your marriage with your wife so as we talk about this it's you know valentines and guys are out there are like we're trying to scramble and pick out flowers and everything but but how could valentines be like not just one day how could it be every day right how could it be you know 365 yeah I think that's such a good question because I think Valentine's is fun for people who are in a good place in their marriage or have a boyfriend or mm -hmm. want to do something special for their family, to love their families in that time. But I think it's really painful for mm -hmm. marriages where it's not good all year and then a husband wants to bring flowers or a card and it doesn't mean a whole lot at that point. And so I think the good question they're asking is, what does it look like the rest of the year? And we were talking about this and just realized there's, as we have thought about what we've invested in our marriage um, and realizing investment usually has to do with money. We usually think of that. But I think in understanding there's a different kind of investment. We put our, our energy, our efforts, our time into something that we believe is going to have a reward. And so the little investments throughout the year that we've talked about, there were five things that we thought, these are things that we've done that we have found helpful and just simple, but sometimes get pushed aside. So one of the first things is make time for connecting, like a minute, minute little interactions. And for us, it's been good morning. I mean, just saying good morning to each other. Or it's saying, it's giving a hug and kiss goodbye. Or it's welcoming them home, meeting at the door, or welcome home, saying something, acknowledging when they come in. 
it's catching up for 10 minutes at the end of the day, which was especially difficult to do when there was young children. We're oh, in a yeah. season where there's more time for that, but 10 minutes, just not to hash out things, but just, hey, how was your day? So I just know what was going on, what was hard, what was good, what's stressful. And then just good night. Okay, those are five, maybe one minute or less connections. So if we did that kind of throughout the year, that's, that's a place of how to invest in, in your marriage. Another thing is just a, a, a developing a culture of kindness mm. and respect. Um, we quickly somehow let those go uh, inside our home. Yeah. And so there's, there's just, if we can catch ourselves saying, am I responding, responding just with good manners? Mm. Am I treating him with value, with respect in how I talk to him, how I respond with please and thank you? Um, these are things we teach our kids, mm. but do we respond to each other that way? And hey, thanks for, thanks for helping me out with that. Or instead of just ignoring it or not taking the time to say it, so are we being kind and respectful in how we, in our tone of voice, and how we speak to each other? I think one of the things that I, I wow. realized early in my marriage is I always knew what success looked like in my job. Right, you know, I have a job description, I have my goals and objectives, I know what number or what, what event I've got to hit by what day. I mean, I, I would have spent such intentionality to make sure I worked well. But I had this aha moment around year seven or eight when I thought, I have no idea what success looks like in marriage, right? I just kind of show up and go, well, I, I will do the same thing we did yesterday. And I think for a lot of us guys, we've got so much more in us than we think we have. Yeah. I just say to you men, take the time sometimes just to call a time out and say, hey, how do I want to love my wife? How does she receive love from me? And, and, and sometimes it's just that lack of goal setting that we're great at, again, in the job space. Yeah. Jeff. And when we turn into it in our marriage, I think it's, speaking of investment, a great return on that investment when we go, I really want to love her the way she needs to be loved. It's easy not to do it, but man, that is brilliant. But, but, but it really is so yeah. true because it's I think simple. we do that. Yeah, it's so simple. Um, but man, we do, we set goals in our jobs, you know, or with oh, yeah. money or anything else, but in our marriage, it's kind of like, yeah, okay, we're married, check, you know, and we're running off, and, and you know, your wife's back there going, hello, you know, and those yeah. simple ways. Those simple ways, and I think those were a couple other things goes into the other things as far as even just the time, you know, we have those connectors at the end of the day, but usually we need more time for other conversations, so yeah. maybe one of the goals is once a week. We're going to just sit on the couch and say, okay, what, what do we need to talk about? How are we doing? What's going on? And if we can learn to do that regularly, it's not stuffing all those things that can pile up so quickly. Mm -hmm. And so when our kids were young, we had one once a week, Sunday night. So it's kind of our connecting time. And we look at schedules, what, who's going where. So that would prevent conflict, of mm -hmm. figuring that out in a moment. And then we just talk about what's going on in your life and what do we need to address. Um, and so I think those times, making time, setting a goal to say, how can we have regular times that we're having longer conversations to just address what's going on? And it won't be as hard if we're doing it regularly. And yet, you know, our wiring is we're going to do that. We, we, we're relational. We engage. There's a lot of guys that I walk with who they're going, oh my gosh, they won't make me sit down once a week and talk about how we're doing. I'm terrified of what I might do, right? Yeah. Honestly, it's why we created this little resource that we wrote a book called The 50 Fridays Marriage Challenge. Mm. And it, it's a book that's, the premise is so simple. We're just saying, what if a couple once a week sat down and said, we're just going to talk about us, nothing else. We're going to take 15, 20 minutes and have a conversation about us. But not what are we complaining about, not what's broken right now, but just fun conversations. Jeff, this is a little resource. That hey, show it to us. Well, sure. So it's like this. So I love that. 
Yeah, it's so, it's so simple. It's like having a team meeting. It right? is. It is. <laughs> and, yet, and what we do with it is we ask questions. So, for example, yeah. every week you sit down with your, your wife and, and you ask one question. So, the question this week is, what are some things you enjoy doing together outside? I mean, what a safe question, right? But it's leading us to be able just to interact about, well, we do enjoy things. When's the last time we did that? Why don't we go do more of that? We've written a few words, you know, I call this a man book because each chapter is three pages long. It's so quick for us guys to get in and get out, right? I like that. But some of the questions get in here and, and they're much deeper questions. For yeah. example, in the midst of conflict, what do I do that makes you feel safe? Mm. We need to have safety in the midst of conflict. So this little resource is a practical way, you know, to do Valentine's Day 365 days a year. Yeah. Just to have that weekly meeting to say, hey, hon, how are we doing? You know, and, and, and but not, not having one of those deep, hard conversations necessarily. Just conversations that sometimes are really lighthearted. That's great. Fun. That's another one we talk about kind of throughout that. the year. Is um, because we we know what it's like to get functional, to get we are passing at night. We're talking about details, oh, and yeah. to just stop, kind of feel like are we even enjoy each other. Yeah. And so, I think we do best, and I think couples do best when we say, "What can we do that's just fun?" Mm. And for us, it's just sometimes walking downtown Franklin. Down around the square, it's, it's usually not expensive. It's yeah. usually very simple. Or we rarely go to movies, but the other day we went to a movie and, you know, three o'clock in the afternoon, which we've never <laughs> done before because we're in a season to be able to do that. Um, but those are just out, something outside of the norm. Yeah. So kind of thinking, kind of what's just outside the norm once a month? Or, you know, if you think about just what's something different that we can do. And, and I think the other thing when you talk about what can we do throughout the year is how do we learn to be open to growing in our marriages from other couples or from a class or from a retreat or from something that a book that we read yeah. just an openness to learning and growing because just like if you're on a team and coach you're not going to say I've developed the skill this is all I'm going to do I'm not going to do any better but you're going to be like I want to get better I want to yeah. contribute I want to be a part of saying I'm making a difference there yeah. Jeff one last thought on this question you know if you go back to the garden the whole thing falls apart right we men have to look in the mirror and admit, wow, we were the quiet one. Mm. God came to Adam and said, hey, this is what you're going to do. Eve picks up the fruit and starts to eat it. But Genesis 3, 6 says, and Adam, who was with her, he sits there silently. He's passive. He doesn't speak. He doesn't engage. Mm. I think that's still the core sin in our marriage that most of us men have. I'm not beating us up as guys. I just think we need to look in the mirror and go, Man, am I initiating? Am I am I taking responsibility for my marriage? And and that's why I think these little things that Laura and I have been talking about the last couple of minutes, it's something that we men have to go, my marriage matters. Mm -hmm. And I'm gonna make a plan. I'm going to intentionally engage. I'm gonna say, hey babe, let's go do this. Hey babe, I'll set up a sitter. Yeah. Let's do something so that we're growing intentionally in our marriage and not just wait to Valentine's Day to come to the Wow. That is strong. You know, because that, that, that's our heartbeat. Men's leadership, yes, perhaps I believe that. And we want men to take that leadership and step out and take the initiative. And we don't want just marriages to survive. We want to thrive. Yeah, we absolutely. want to be a great marriage. So, hey, talk about this because you guys are in a different season. You know, you can go to a movie at three in the afternoon, right. you know, but there's a lot of guys who are in the throes of raising kids, job, taking care of parents. I mean, you know, and, and so. You remember back to those days, how did you guys really invest? Because when kids come into the picture, right before, you know, you get married, it's just like, you're like, yeah. just, you're literally a best friend. You're yes. just going through that. Everything you used to do.
But when kids come in, your whole social life slows down. I mean, everything is on hold. Yeah. So how do you, with kid, really invest in your marriage? Yeah. I think when, that was such a pivotal point for us, and I think it was really hard because all of a sudden I felt the the change more because I was home and I was it was twenty four seven. He was, you know, obviously dad, but he was out out doing other things, and so I think we didn't really have the tools to know how to talk about what I was feeling and what I needed, and so. I think what we learned and looking back, because we had four kids under seven, is that um, it was hard for me to leave them. Yeah. I wanted, I felt like I was, I needed to be there for them. And so, um, and so I think there would be times that Jeff would say, let's go away for a weekend. And, and I wish I had listened to that because I think I felt like they need me, I need to be here. Um, but things that ended up helping us were sometimes we traded babysitting with another family and they'd watch our kids and so one night and then another week they, we watched their kids and so that was helpful. Um, I do think it meant so much when Jeff would initiate, um, I'm going to get a sitter and let's go out. Or even I could be at home and take the initiative to, to plan something at home that was just, okay, I don't have to get dressed up and go out because I'm just totally exhausted. But he cares about me, and I think that's every every person, every wife is like, "Do you really care about me? Do I really matter to you? Do you give me? Do you you know?" And it can just be light one candle and say, "Hey, I, let, let, let's just watch a movie at home. Yeah. Let's just do something simple. I just want to be with you." Mm-hmm. And those are things that, again, our our marriages naturally unravel. They don't naturally unfold mm-hmm. into something good, and so. I would say to young families or families with kids, and, and especially teens, you know, even when you've got, before they're driving, they're pulled and oh. overscheduled. Yeah. And so how do we, again, it's that kind of team meeting of what do we need to say no to? What is it that's stressing us out? What is it that's pulling us apart? And we had to say no to things that were good because we felt like time, really know what's going on with each other is important. And um, so, I don't know if there's anything you would add to that. I think it's that intentionality word again, right? I yeah. Mean, it really is. And yet it's hard. You know, yeah. Our, our kids, I'm thrilled they're in the area. So if they want a date night, we're free babysitting. Do it anytime, right? Love those grandbabies. But we didn't have family, right? right? And Laura mentioned, you know, the, the shared or swapping babysitting. Be creative, whatever you need. I had a friend who, he used to take Thursday nights and his kids knew enough. The oldest one was probably eight or nine at this time. That they were going to be watching a movie. The kids were going to be for for an hour and a half in the bonus room, and you can't come out unless it's somebody's bleeding or the house is on fire. <laughs> because this is mom and dad's at home date night. Yeah. They would have a quiet dinner, dessert downstairs. Again, there's creative ways, but it's imperative that we intentionally say, "How do we invest?" Because it is the busiest time of life. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah. I feel like we're in the rose. Yeah. 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 Elementary, middle school, high school, yeah. taking care of your parents, and you know, yes. you got everything else. But yeah, but I think that intentionality word is so mm-hmm. important. And, uh, and Laura, talk about this because you know, we talk about Ephesians, right? It says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, and gave himself up. How can we as men love our wives like that? Mm-hmm. That's a bad question. <laughs> <laughs> Right? I think every guy watching this, we want to succeed. Right. Yes. We want to succeed. Yes. This you were talking about earlier, Jeff. That was so good. 
and we want to succeed in our marriage, you know? And then you read passage, you're like, wow, this is lofty. But I think it's doable. I mean, I think there's there's things that God says, hey, you can love your wife that way, you know? So I think probably two things that come to mind right away are listen well. Mm. Sometimes because we listen doesn't mean we really hear. But listening means slowing down. It means putting the phone down, turning the TV off, and looking face to face. And for a wife to get that kind of attention, when Jeff does that, when a mitten does that for a wife, that's where, that's how we feel valued. Mm -hmm. um, giving attention in that way, listening well. Listening not to defend, listening not to correct, listening not to judge, but just listening just to say, wow, that must be hard, or wow, you did such a good job. And the when hardest you, one for me was listening not to fix. Right, right. I always right. want to try to fix the problem. Right, right. Yeah. and so sometimes I think for men, if they say, if they listen and the wife is, you know, sad or happy or afraid, I think it's helpful for our husband to say, do you need me just to listen or do you need to help me fix it? Find a solution. That's good. Do you, I think for men to know, is it a, they can say, do you need me just to listen or do you want me to help you find a solution? Mm -hmm. like and if that. the wife just says, I just need you to listen, because sometimes that's all we need. Yeah. We just need, need to be listen, just listen. And, and I think there is a time for our husbands to speak truth to us, and when that's done, to do it gently. Mm -hmm. I think that's another thing as women, we want to hear truth. I think. I don't want to get away with things, even though I kind of do, but I don't want to. <laughs> um, but when he comes in gentleness and says, you know, hey, Lord, have you thought about this? Or, hey, I've observed this. I think to speak the truth with gentleness, I think those, those two things, listening well, speaking with gentleness, whatever the conversation, start up gently. I think those are things that are, are ways to really feel loved. Powerful. You know, because I guess guys are super busy, and we have the phone, and we, we really don't listen. You know, uh, well, we don't. Yeah, I mean, it's hard for us. Yeah, yeah, relationships yeah. are hard. There's just so many distractions. Yeah. Um, so. Mm. So if if there's a guy watching right now, and and their marriage is is in trouble, um, what would you say to them? I mean, like, how? What would you say? Hey, I encourage you to do this. You know. Jeff, I think that's such an important question because yeah. it's not if you and I both know there are men that are going to be watching this and they're in a hard season. Yeah. And, and I just would say this, first of all, uh, it, it just name the truth about it. Mm. I think don't try to deny it. Don't try to rationalize it. Don't just get ticked off at your wife and go, wait, we are broken. Pronouns are really important to marriage. You know, it's not she's broken. It's not she's messing us up. It's we are broken. Wow. You just tell the truth. That, you know, we're not even Place. I often will tell couples when they get to that crisis place in my office, I'll say, hey, can, can you do this exercise one day a week for, for, the, for, the next, for the next week? I just want you to look at each other at some point in the day and say, hey, we are really broken right now. Mm. But we won't always be. Mm. I, I think we lose hope so quickly. You know, Solomon said in the Proverbs, hope deferred grows the heart sick. And I think some of us, when we don't name, man, we're really broken, then our hope kind of dissipates as well. It, just, it disappears. Yeah. And so I think you start with just naming, man, honey, we're in a bad place. We need help. And that help can come in thousands of ways. Calling a friend, get it with another couple, reach out to the church, 
meet with people like us, I mean, whatever, but find some place to say, hey, we need somebody outside of ourselves. And I think the, the smartest thing we ever did, and it took us way too long, you know, trained as a pastor, people helper, trained as a therapist, people helper, we were the most stubborn people to go get help for our own marriage. Wow. And, and we were in a really hard, bad place, years 8 through 11, something like that. You know, there was no infidelity, we weren't, it wasn't these massive big things, we just had terrible connection and communication challenges. And because if we didn't know better, we couldn't get out of it. We have to admit sometimes that as strong, as confident, and as much as I can lead an organization, I can't lead this thing to someone else. I need help. And so when we finally humbled ourselves and sat down with some people who really loved us, it was the beginning of help. So I think it's just naming the truth, asking for help, and then trusting the process. You know, most of us didn't get to crisis in our marriages overnight. It took time. Jeff, it takes time to get out of it. But it's so worth that investment. I'm grateful for those several years that we spent, you know, going to an intensive and leaving it feeling like, oh my goodness, you know. For, for us, divorce was never an option. Murder many times, but, but divorce never. You know, we were not going to do that. And, and we just felt like, no, we, we could get through this. But there were days it was so hard. So we know what those days are like. But I will say on the other side of it, those are some of the sweetest days I look back on. Because you talk about a place where God wants to meet you and change you. Yeah. It's always in pain. Yeah. It's always in brokenness. So I would say be of hope even in a season that feels hopeless at times. Mm. I love that. And where there's God, there's always hope. Yeah. Right? You know? And so, man, guys, God's with you. <laughs> and uh, we're praying for you and all of us, you know. Hey, do talk about that because you guys have been through a lot of seasons mm-hmm. of marriage. Yeah. A lot of seasons of life. You know, you, you were newlyweds, and then you started having kids, four kids, seven and under, I mean, that's a lot, you know, I can't even imagine how busy uh, that season was, you know, and then now you're empty nester, so you've been through a lot, every guy after watching, you've been through a season in that, so what's a takeaway, one or two takeaways that you would say through the seasons, this is what I encourage you just in your marriage? Yeah, yeah, great question, great question. I, I think it, through the seasons, it takes a willingness to be creative with how you connect. Mm. Because sometimes some of our fun was sitting on the bleachers watching our kids. That was <laughs> fun to get together. Now, it wasn't necessarily the conversations about how are we doing, but but um, it was fun. And we enjoyed when they were, you know, the toddlers, there's things that you enjoy, but every stage is something we really enjoy together. And then there was a challenge, whether it was with a kid or with each other. And so I think learning to be creative in different seasons with how to connect, because it just changes, and your energy level changes. and. Um, and I think that there's, you know, if there's changes in your moving or a different town or different, you know, all of that adds, stresses add up. So it's having to be creative if you're in a new place. Or, but reaching, knowing that there is always help available. Mm. There is always help available. And I think there's so much shame that people carry about their marriages that it keeps them isolated. And we just don't want to talk about it. And I think we've learned every marriage goes through something. Every marriage, there is no marriage that's perfect. Pastors, leaders, everybody has something that's, that's just part of our brokenness. And so for us, knowing that for all of us, I think marriage is a spiritual practice. It's part of what God uses to grow us. And it's like sandpaper that's sanding down a lot of rough edges. And there's nothing that reveals that more than marriage. Yeah. Yeah. I think to be patient in those seasons too. You know, I mean, today, today we're together recording this. It snowed in Frank. I mean, you know, three days ago it was 70 degrees. You know, seasons change quickly, right? There's always another season that comes. There's some research that says a couple, even in a hard spot, 
if they will just hang in there, if they will just keep doing the basic things of showing kindness, respect, trying to love, trying to engage, even when it's hard, if they will just hang in there three years, it will be okay. Now, three years can feel like an eternity. I don't think you sit around twiddling your thumbs in those times, but to realize that there are seasons that are more difficult than others. I've said for years, I think those preschool years may be the most physically demanding, exhausting time of our lives. You know, babies just don't cooperate in sleeping. And so it's, it's, we're exhausted. And so when we're physically tired, we're, we're, we're snarky. We can snap at each other. But then adolescent years come along, and we're not necessarily charting and driving them all around as much, but man, they can be the most emotionally draining. Where are those kids? Are they alive? How are they doing? What are they doing? And again, that emotional tension, even in our parenting, a different season of life with adolescence, it creates tension here. And so again, it's, it's be patient with it and, and acknowledge, wow, this is just a season, isn't it? Um, I, I, think, I think every season can be deeply, deeply enjoyed, even with the challenge, but they won't be enjoyed if we just are complaining about it. We have to go, yeah, this is a season when you know financially we're tired. We can't go out on fun dates as much as we used to. But you know what? We can be creative. What can we do? Let's we used to have a thing called the $10 date. You, you know, uh, what can we do for $10 tonight? And I remember Laura created one for us, and it was like with a group on, and you know, we went downtown Franklin, and, and it was an awesome night, and it cost us, you know, nine bucks by the end of the night. So sometimes it's just going, how do we adjust, as Laura said, in those seasons? I love that. I love that. Hey, one of the things, I think every guy, we all need help with this, but you know, there's a saying, right? Couples that pray together stay together. How do we pray together with your spouse? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some just practical ways that you could help us? Because that's a challenge. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, time-wise, but also guys mm-hmm. taking the initiative and then you know, what to pray. Yeah. Well, any, any advice you give us on that? Jeff, I tell you, that, that's probably one of the most foundational areas of our marriage historically and presently that we struggle with. Wow. You know, like there was a season in our life, I remember Promise Keepers, with the Promise yeah. Keepers, yeah. and I came home and one of my big commitments promise keepers is I will pray with, not for, with Laura every night for the rest of my life. And for like a year and a month, I mean, every night we get in bed, I get my hand on her and I pray for her, pray for us, pray for our marriage. And I was like, yes, 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 yes. I don't know what happened at month 13, but it just kind of disappeared, you know? And so I think what, what I've learned is through the years is, you know, there's something about prayer together that may be the most intimate thing we ever do. I mean more than sex. Mm. Because in prayer, here we are saying, I'm coming before this perfect God who knows everything about me. Uh-oh. But I'm with this woman who also knows everything about me. I can't pose. I can't hide. I have to be real. And I think there's a lot of fear that gets kicked up in the heart of a lot of us men. Hey babe, let's Oh, pray together, you know? It's like, oh my goodness. And so I think when we pray together, what, what I realize helps me as a man is going, there, there's something specifically that we need God's guidance on. And I want to be able to say, Lord, help us with that. I think the other place that's easy for me to engage in prayer, and it often happens around the, the, the dinner table, is prayers of gratitude. And I would say if you're a man, like I've been a lot, if you're a man that struggles with you know, reaching out and grabbing your wife's hand and saying, hey, babe, let's pray about this, start with prayers of gratitude. You, you know, we are a unbelievably blessed people. Yeah, we really are. I mean, I don't care what financial, socioeconomic status you're in. We Americans, we've got tons. And I think sometimes we lose gratitude. So I think a lot of us just begin by saying, hey, babe, let me pray. I just want to thank God for 
our kids. I want to thank God for you. I want to thank God for his provision for us. I want to thank God that, that he's showing up in this season of confusion or, or aging parent or whatever it may be. Sometimes I think that's the first baby step. Can we just do that? I think secondly, when it is hard to pray together, to have conversations about that, I think there's a lot of wives who are just so hungry. Lord, you were this way, and I know for a long time wishing I would take more leadership in that. And not just in prayer, but in the whole spiritual leadership in the family. And some of us, men, we have wounds from the past, we're scared, is that legalism for me, some of it, and we don't know how to just say, hey babe, I need your help in, in doing this. Now, leadership isn't about me knowing everything. I think that's one of the biggest lies about spiritual leadership. Leadership is about me being, wrapping a towel around my waist and washing my wife's feet. It's John 13. So sometimes leadership is saying, babe, I, I, I don't know how to do this, but would you pray for us tonight? There's been tons of times I've turned to the Lord and said, hey, would you pray for this? And, and she does. So I think a lot of it is being willing, again, I'm a big tell the truth guy. Yeah. Telling the truth, saying, man, this is an awkward place, but there is a way that we can go before the Father together. I, I think that for me, it's something that is something something that I, I want and to be a part of our marriage. And so I, in earlier years, I used to be angry at him when he didn't do what I had hoped he would do. And then learning, I have something to offer here, to say, whether it's saying, hey, how about if we do this devotional together? Or how about if, or hey, Jeff, can we, let's pray together. And he was always willing. It wasn't that he didn't want to. I think I just, it was my heartbeat to say, let's come together to pray. And, and so when we do, there is a connection um, but I, I think I've had to, to realize it, it's okay for me to say, hey, can we pray together? And then there are times when you say, hey, let's, let's pray. But we don't, you know, we've tried to let's sit every, every, you know, day or every week this time. And it, it, it doesn't work very well for us. And so it's just kind of been in the moments. Um, sometimes I initiate it. Sometimes he does. Um, I think it's, it's something that we can still grow in, and I think we have different ideas and understanding of what prayer is also, and so we've had conversations yeah. about that. Yeah. So all those things, I think, aren't just cut and dry, yeah. and every man needs to do it this way with his wife. And, and I always want to be careful with this one. While I believe that learning to have, uh, being able to pray together can be a great discipline for a marriage, to me it's not the ultimate discipline. The ultimate discipline is developing a spiritual rhythm together. I think we're really good at the spiritual leader. Whether it's how we worship, whether it's how we talk about what we're learning, whether we interact around a sermon, whether it's what we talk about what we believe God's doing in our kids' lives. And so for me, prayer is one component of that bigger picture. I like that. And so for us, the real challenge is being the lead is not just the lead to be able to pray. That can become legalism. Yeah. But it's lead to say, I want to make sure that we are living under the loving rule of God. I want to make sure that we are aware of God's goodness and His kindness. I want to make sure that we are engaged in worshiping Him and serving and giving in ways really practically that's growing us holistically. That is so good, you guys. Because I think a lot of times, guys, we just feel guilty. You know, we feel guilty. Yeah, and we're like, oh, I'm a failure at this. But but we're not, you know? And I think inviting your wife in and talking about that together and then the holistic approach to that you know, how are we growing spiritually together? How are we growing as a family? Uh, so good, so good. All right, one last question for you. All right, what do you guys want your legacy to be? <laughs> that takes some thinking. And I know, you know, that, that um, we did talk about that. It's a good question. I, I 
hope our legacy, and we thought, you know, it's kind of individual, but it's also marriage. You oh, know? Yeah. So I think this would, this would apply for our marriage as well as individual. I think our legacy is we want to be found faithful. We want to be found faithful because God has been faithful. And we want to be found faithful in our marriage. We want to be found faithful in our, um, in our role as being parents and grandparents and in our community and in our churches. We want to be found faithful. And I think the other thing is that our legacy is that relationships matter. That relationships mattered, and that that was what brings us the greatest joy is that the quality of our relationships affects the quality of our lives. And so our relationship with the Lord then turns into our relationship with the people. And that, that I know for people can bring the biggest pain, but it is also the biggest joy. We And we've really tried to work at how can we nurture these to be, be um, life-giving and to be God-honoring. You and Jeff, I mentioned you know, that kind of crisis of faith in grad school for me. Yeah. And like you, know, I studied a lot. I, I get in all the theological you know, junk if you want to argue and talk about it. It's fun, right? But the core of the scripture, when I read the Old Testament to the New Testament, it's just a big, long love letter. It really is. You, you strip it all down. And we can debate about roles of women. We can debate about types of leadership. We can debate about so many things. But the core of the scripture is this crazy, pursuing God who chases Israel after they walk away time and time and time again. And then in the New Testament, sends Jesus who says, don't care who you are or what you've done. I love you. I'm for you. Let's do relationship. Let me help you be rightly related to the Father. It's a testament. It's two testaments of, of relationship. And so when Lord says relationship matters, I think it's even a theological legacy. We don't believe it that way. But at the core of this book is how do you, as Jesus said it, love God Love others mm. as yourself. That's what I would love one day at my funeral for my kids to look and say, you know what? He was a jacked up, broken man in some ways. <laughs> but he loved us. He did the best he could do for mm. I think I'll be a happy man at the end of life. That was the legacy that I had and that together we had with others. Wow. That's amazing. Praise God. <laughs> that is just awesome. I want that for every guy. Yeah. I want that for every guy, you know? And uh, man, I want that for me, you know. That, wasn't perfect, made a ton of mistakes. Yes. But, but man, my dad loved God and he loved people. And yeah. My friend loved God and loved people. You know? That's that's awesome. So, um, hey, tell us where we can get this. Um, theoretically, Amazon. Okay. Uh, although the other day I noticed they're out of it. There's a oh. digital copy of it. That's uh, great. But yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we'll be back in stock soon. Uh, but yeah, we, it's, a, it's a super simple resource, and yet we, we can so many people with us just helping them have those. Regular intentional conversations. Yeah, well, good. I want to get a copy because I, I want this is a great marriage. Yeah, praise God. That's awesome. <laughs> so, guys, thank you. Mm. Thank you for the difference you're making, and just so grateful to serve God with you and to see what God's doing through you with Wellspring. And uh, just know you got a lot of guys who are praying for you, praying with yeah. you, and uh, thank you for being willing to help anybody. Uh, as we grow in our marriages and we grow as men after God's heart. Well, so, Jeff, when we have all those guys out there, keep up the great work you're doing. Mm-hmm. I think what you provide for us in this resource mm-hmm. of Tremendous Leadership Network is powerful. Mm-hmm. I, I think we may have stayed in that hustle, bustle, and we need something. It's our inbox that says, oh, yeah, I should pay attention. And, and you know, I would hope that today, like the other, many, many others that you've done, will, will continue to encourage us men to follow Christ Thank you, Mom. Of course. I appreciate it. Hey, let's pray together, guys. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for Jeff and for Laura, Father, their heart for you. I pray a blessing on them and a wellspring, God. And I pray for every man watching right now, God, that you would draw their hearts close to you, that you would strengthen them and their 
dating relationships or their marriage, Father, and God, you would just help them to be men who pursue you all the days of their life. But God, when our time comes, God, that people look at us and they say, hey, they weren't perfect, but man, they love the Lord and they love me. And so let us be men like that. And so bless today, Father, and bless every marriage and every man watching right now. This is the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today. Be looking on Friday in your inbox as we have the man minute that's coming every Friday. And then be joining us next month as we continue our series here at Men's Leadership Network. Thanks so much. God bless.